The COVID-19 pandemic caused a 65% drop in planes taking off around the world. But since the world has reopened, planes have been going back into the skies. And even as the world pushes to decarbonize, passenger aviation is expected to continue to grow for decades to come. The aviation industry is making its own push to decarbonize. And obviously, the holy grail is creating a carbon-free plane. New plane technology is being tested and developed, including hydrogen fuel cells, battery-powered planes and biofuels. Green technology would be a huge step forward for the aviation industry and the world in achieving emissions targets. But when the new technology emerges, it is the airports that will be the gateway to the adoption on scale. Whether that's sustainable fuels, hydrogen fuels, for example, battery-powered aircraft, the airport must be able to support that airline in its endeavours. And while the aviation industry as a whole is focused on delivering green plane technology, airports will also have to focus on their own journey to decarbonise and remain resilient against the future impact of climate change. So how do you go about creating the green airports of the future? Welcome to Engineering Matters. I'm Johnny Dowling. And I'm Tim Sheehan. In this episode, we've partnered with SNC Lavalin to explore how airports prepare themselves and the aviation industry as a whole for a net zero future. Aviation has an outsized responsibility for the climate crisis and will play a pivotal role in meeting net zero targets. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is your captain speaking. Aviation accounts for, for around about 2.5% of global CO2 emissions, but its warming impact is actually even larger than that because of the other kind of gases and particulates that get emitted at high altitudes. So these nitrogen oxides um, and contrail clouds. So it's thought that they could actually be tripling the climate impact of aviation compared with just the kind of CO2 figures that, that, that get reported. Isabel Smith is a Director of Engineering Net Zero at SNC Lavalin. While the aviation industry faces a huge challenge in decarbonising their operations, airports are going to be at the centre of making it happen. So it, it, it is a challenge, but it's one that actually the aviation sector is in a a really privileged position to to empower because it it has the kind of its size and sort of economic weight. But yeah, to me, the most like exciting part of all of this is that airports really have this like this huge opportunity to act as a maybe like a community decarbonisation hub. It's because of the size and the influence that they have on their supply chains. the airport processes passengers so that they can be implained safely and efficiently for the airlines to then transport the passenger. So it's a symbiotic relationship. So whatever improvements the airlines are driving with regard to carbon. Justin Jones is the global aviation market lead for SNC-Lavalin. 
and while airports will play a key role in allowing airlines to transition to newer, greener technologies, there is still a lot of work airports need to do themselves to decarbonise. The first problem airports have on the roadmap to net zero is getting an accurate understanding of where carbon is coming from. And that's where SNC-Lavalin bring in what they call decarbonomics. So decarbonomics was born out of the, the building sector. It was created for offices, uh, retail, residential, education, light industrial building typologies. And really what, what we do through that is we created this enormous database it's like over 60,000 buildings that are mapped in there through kind of cost data, carbon data, energy data, asset data. The idea of decarbonomics is that by collecting data on where emissions are coming from, you can create an optimised roadmap to reduce them. Decarbonomics use in the building sector has created a huge database of carbon emissions, which is now able to predict the emissions of certain buildings without needing specific data from the site. Some work that we did recently with a, a large portfolio owner in the UK, our, our data, when we went back in and did some intensive site surveys on a number of their properties to verify our information, we found that our data was over 95% accurate. But to use the tool on airports is going to require many new variables to be considered and much more data will need to be collected. As more data is collected, a more and more accurate picture of an airport's emissions will start to emerge. And once you have that benchmark, a tailored roadmap can be created to start reducing emissions as cost-effectively and time-effectively as possible. Decarbonomics Airports provides a data-driven systems-level approach to enable you to decarbonise your existing assets, fleet and future-proof your infrastructure through the development and implementation of cost-effective and programme-optimised net-zero pathways. So depending on what's important for the client, we order those automatically, we order those interventions per building, per intervention, so that if you're going to spend a a dollar or a pound, then, then where do you spend that dollar or pound to have the best kind of carbon performance improvement or return on investment that's important to you? And that, that roadmap is, is completely agile as well, which is the, the amazing thing about it. So as we go and collect more data and we get more accurate information, it all kind of updates holistically. When it comes to airports carbon emissions, there are two main types of carbon. The first is embodied carbon. That's the, uh, the emissions from the materials that are used in the expansion of the facilities, where they're produced, how they're transported, how they're installed, how they're disposed of. The second type is the operational emissions. This includes all the energy use, the lighting, the heating, the ventilation, not just in the main terminal building, but also all of the supporting airport ground infrastructure. And a lot of what decarbonomics has already applied to these buildings can be applied directly to airports, operational emissions too. You know, the largest facility there is typically the terminal building uses the most power. And that, that tends to be the focus for most airport clients on their current reduction of uh, the carbon footprint. So 
the interventions that apply to a, to a typical building will still apply to a terminal building. This means some of the solutions can be similar to those for office spaces. Better insulation, more efficient light bulbs and other energy-saving solutions will all still be useful. But airports have other contributors to their operational emissions. Most notably is the use of ground support vehicles. The way that airports report their greenhouse gas emissions, it, it's essential that it also takes into account their ground fleet. So it moves beyond the buildings and into their, into their ground fleet as well. The electrification of airport vehicles would be a big step to decarbonising an airport's operational emissions. But doing so would bring its own challenges. If you look at the study that we did in Keflavik, and the airports intend to go to all battery-powered or sustainable-powered operations, then you need power supply. Some people call energy transition. So you, you're transitioning the supporting infrastructure of vehicles from petrol, from gas, to, uh, to battery. Where are you going to get that power from? So when we look at the, the utility infrastructure and how that has to be upgraded, it's kind of the, you, you, you have to consider it, right? Because otherwise you're not active, accurately representing the cost and carbon impact of those decisions that you're making. So when we apply decarbonomics um, buildings to, de to, to the airport space, we're, we're actually expanding its scope to include that utility infrastructure as well. Isabel believes an energy transition is a big opportunity for airports. I think that airports and net zero generally has probably opened up a new opportunity for airports to change almost the, the economic models around how they can operate. So, for example, we, we see this shift of airports even being kind of power providers themselves. So how can they supply nearby communities with green power? And, and I think that that has a huge opportunity to really start to commercialise their energy transition. And um, which is, and to be honest, like the, the finances behind this is often one of the major blockers. So being able to find new ways of doing that is, is really exciting. Some airports around the world are already making this transition. Melbourne Airport installed a 192,000 square metre solar farm that will cover the power needs for all four of the passenger terminals. And the John F. Kennedy Airport in New York has announced the plan to cover the airport's roof in 13,000 solar panels. In the UK, Bristol Airport is already powered by a 100% renewable energy supply which includes 15% of the energy supply being generated by the airport. But it's not just these operational emissions that airports need to be considering. As airports require repairs and maintenance, or even as they expand, there are a lot of carbon savings that can be found. When you're looking at the, say, development and expansion of an airport, so you're looking at the embodied carbon, so that's that's the uh, the emissions from the materials that are used in the expansion of the facilities, where they're produced, how they're transported, how they're installed, how they're disposed of. So what are the new low carbon techniques, new materials and different demolition processes, for example, that can be used. Focusing on carbon as early as possible during the planning for a new airport 
or a new expansion allows for new carbon saving opportunities. I mean, you're starting with a blank canvas, for, 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 for example. So when you look at new airports, new terminals, blank canvas, you can build that thinking in from the very beginning. So there are new airports that are currently being planned. Neon is a good example in the Middle East, which has a, a net zero, a sustainable outlook from, from the get-go. And that just drives the decision-making in the type of construction, the power supply, the alignment, the setup of the operation. Airports need to consider not only an asset's carbon impact, but also the impact climate change will have on the asset. The other side of it is, is I suppose, the kind of physical risk to aviation infrastructure that exists as well. So nearly a quarter of the world's busiest airports are, are less than 10 metres above sea level. So, you know, it's like really essential that we find ways to future-proof and to build resilience and adaptation in, into the infrastructure itself. You know, a lot of the airports, a lot of our key airports are within 10 miles of, of coastlines, for example. Miami Airport's a good example, very much at the for forefront of climate action. We look at net zero master planning. So how do we accommodate the new aviation infrastructure uh, to address the climate change? This could include building sea defences or some sort of flood drainage as mitigation. For areas that face high temperatures, runways can more easily become damaged. So using heat-resistant materials for the surface of runways can make them last longer. But planning and constructing for the future has to start now. There's always a challenge of developing our, our infrastructure, our facilities, to accommodate what we have now, but to plan for the future. So it's really about balancing balancing our, 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 our ultimate goals versus our immediate needs. If airports and the aviation sector as a whole are going to start significantly reducing their emissions, it's going to require collaboration from across the industry to ensure new technologies and carbon-saving measures can be adopted as widely as possible. I think aviation and ground infrastructure probably have a long history of working together, but there's so many more links that need to be established with partners across kind of infrastructure, energy transition, new technologies that that have to be forged to really maximise the opportunity. There's probably also kind of like new business models that will form part of that as well. So making sure that there's ways of kind of embedding that collaboration. For example, if you think of like carbon capture and utilisation and storage, greenhouse gas removal solutions, um, hydrogen and energy technologies, all these things that, that they perhaps haven't historically had relationships with, they will then have to start creating and, and not just the relationship, but also the kind of commercial framework that sits around that to, to enable that to be sort of scalable. But for airports themselves, it's crucial to have a clear and full picture of where emissions are coming from. Then you can create that roadmap to tackle them as efficiently as possible. So it's a way of untangling complexity and enabling industry to methodically understand that, that bigger picture and its interconnections. And I think it's really relevant to the airport sector, given the influence that they can have on, on the economy and the community around them. So it's, it's really how do you 
how do you turn something that is a kind of strategic intent and how do you operationalize it into a program of works that can be you know started and delivered on site and really i think that's one of the main things that decarbonomics does is being able to operationalize that strategic intent airports are all unique and so it's important that airport owners get a solid understanding of their specific requirements so they can tackle their emissions most effectively it's not a a one size fits all it's it's always going to be bespoke it's always going to be specific to an, to an individual estate so i think that's why it's essential that, that we have kind of clients in in this co-creation space as we develop it this approach to decarbonizing airports can create a roadmap for other industries to follow it's kind of enables us to move to that kind of outcome based or value based approach so changing the brief to an outcome rather than fencing in and having a kind of transactional relationship with your supply chain that really boxes in space for innovation and, and adaptation, I think. So systems thinking for us is is really essential to, to scale decarbonisation across across sectors. And I think that it applies to, to lots of different industries, but, but applying it to the airport sector is something that I think could have a huge amount of value. The aviation industry is at a crossroads. Stakeholders know the future will have to look different from the present. And to achieve the changes required, stakeholders from across the industry will have to work together. Engineering Matters is a production of Rebe Media. This episode was written and produced by me, Johnny Dowling, and hosted by me and Tim Sheehan. Editing and series supervision by John Young. Sound engineering by Ross McPherson. And our own man in the clouds is Rory Harris. Special thanks to our episode partner, SNC Lavalin. And thank you for listening. You can find us on all podcast apps, on our website, engineeringmatters.reby.media, on Twitter and on LinkedIn.